Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory to In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. As you've heard this evening in the Chaparia from the Lord I have called and in the Apostica, we are still in the feast of the Nativity of the Theotokos. And this festival, I mean, we heard throughout the hymns over and over again, as we heard for the vigil uh, for the feast uh, on Monday night, that we are to rejoice. This is a very common um, what's it, sentiment, almost a, a command to the faithful to rejoice. And it said over and over again, rejoice. It's a command to the faithful, and it's also addressed to the Theotokos, to the Mother of God. And this feast that we continue in, um, I think it underlines for us something about what it means to follow Jesus Christ. It's very easy in following Jesus Christ to get caught between two extremes. One is an extreme of kind of superficialness about being happy because Jesus has risen from the dead. And you have to kind of plaster on a nice smile every time that you get around other Christians or something. It's that there's this kind of idea that if you're a Christian, nothing should bother you because Christ is risen. That's an extreme. Then you can have the other extreme, right? You may be a little bit more familiar with this other extreme, which is basically Christianity is very dour. Christians are very concerned about themselves. <laughs> it's true. Very concerned about themselves, very concerned about others. Uh, and so instead of a kind of superficial happiness, uh, you have a very, not superficial, but very concerned, very ardent um, how should I say, death, <laughs> deadness, uh, a spirit uh, instead of kind of a lightness or kind of uh, syrupiness, it's just this kind of darkness. And neither of these extremes, of course, reflect what it means to feast, to rejoice in what God has done for us and for our salvation. The church, of course, uh, tries to keep us in the middle of this, or at least have not to go to the extremes of superficiality or into the depths of what seems almost despair. Even though Christ has risen, uh, we still act as if that has shown no light, no meaning whatsoever on our life. But the church has the cycle of the fasting and our weekly cycle of fastings on Wednesday and Friday. And then every single Sunday is a little Pascha with a resurrection. And then when we come to great feasts, or to feasts of great saints that we have a particular uh, veneration for, there is something absolutely to rejoice in. And we need this. You know, there's our annual kind of cycle from Pascha, right? Whereas the, the feast of feasts, the glory of the church, uh, all of that's attached to the way that we get to Pascha, of course, is through all of Lent. <laughs> and then a few weeks even prior to that, when we're preparing for Lent, because always prepare to fast, and then we fast. Uh, and then we have kind of the depths of Holy Week and the, the pathos, the depths of repentance, of sorrow as we walk with Christ to Golgotha and then stand with Mary at Golgotha. And then we have Pascha. And the great cycle of the services of the church and the feasts of the church, we're given opportunities again uh, as in uh, very often the feast that we just celebrated a few weeks ago, the Dormition of Theotokos, 
is very often called the summer Pascha because we have one of the fruits of the resurrection, the first fruit after the first fruit, I'll say that, uh, to not contradict scripture, of course. The first fruit of the, re- of the resurrection is, of course, Christ. And then we have his mother. So we have a, a summer Pascha. In the Nativity of the Theotokos, we rejoice uh, with the overcoming of the barrenness of Joachim and Anna. We rejoice in the beginning of our salvation, the beginning of the ecclesiastical year, and the beginning of our salvation. Something to radiate into our lives, to give us deep meaning and abiding meaning, to give us real joy, not syrupy sentimentality or a dour kind of mopiness because the world is a veil of tears and we're here together in this veil of tears until we get to heaven. This is why I think there's been such a great devotion in the church uh, to St. Seraphim of Sarov, who was a great ascetic, who plumbed the depths of the ascetical tradition in fasting and solitude, but then he radiated Paschal joy. He said Christ has risen throughout the entire year. He did not limit it to the Paschal season, but he radiated the joy. And you can tell when you encounter this kind of joy. It's not, you're not kind of off-put, like too much sweetness, you know, when you put too much something sweet in your mouth and you kind of go, Oh, oh my, maybe I'm getting more like that because I'm getting older. I probably wasn't like that when I was a teenager. Um, but then you get to encounter true holiness or true love to be forgiven even though we have offended or we have broken uh, the bonds of communion or the trust that was entrusted to us. And then to be freed and to experience a little resurrection, to experience the joy of God turning barrenness into the fruit, especially of the most holy woman that ever lived, uh, the Theotokos, our great intercessor before our God, her son. So let us not uh, forget that we're still in the feast. Uh, Let us not forget to fast in order to maintain the feast. But that doesn't mean that the feast isn't something that we just have, you know, it's great, and then we just, it just recedes into the background. And so there's little ways that we can do this. Singing the Traparian at home, doing little things to remember that the feast is still with us, uh, and to have that in some way shed the joy that Joachim and Anna had in receiving the gift from God, the mother of God, the Theotokos. Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory forever.